We're here, it's the 1st of December. I don't know how many of you feel that you are ready for Christmas. Does anyone feel that Christmas has started? Yeah? Yeah, kind of. Have you noticed how everybody has a slightly different kind of perspective on when Christmas starts? I don't know about you, I have this moment every year where I get to a point where I think, right, Christmas has officially started. And it's different for every single person. How many people have done Christmas shopping? No? We've done Christmas shopping, actually, my wife and I. We've, we've bought most of, the, uh, most of the presents. I say we've done Christmas shopping. We have done it together, to be fair. Um, but it's generally because I get told in about November we need to start thinking about Christmas shopping because otherwise it, it just won't happen. But for some of us, it's about when Christmas shopping actually happens, that that's when Christmas starts. For some of us, it's about baking the Christmas cake. I had elaborate plans to bake my Christmas cake yesterday. Didn't happen. I realised that even yesterday is a little bit late for some people, quite significantly late for some people. Um, but if you haven't baked a Christmas cake yet, then Christmas may well start. For me, Christmas starts in two ways. One is when I get into my car on the last day of work and drive home, and you have that obligatory got to find Chris Rear on my phone, driving home for Christmas. That Because, I mean, why else? You've got no other opportunity where that is actually kind of appropriate, um, because Christmas songs, as we know, are generally inappropriate at all other times. And I have the moment when I get in front of my cooker, and I have the recipe list on the right-hand side with all of the different things that I am planning to cook throughout that day. And we've set the kids up with about three different films back-to-back to watch throughout Christmas morning so that we can go through the whole of well, Christmas afternoon, technically. We have Christmas dinner in the evening. But either way, that is when Christmas officially has arrived. However... This year, I would like to officially announce that this morning, Christmas has started. I know, some of you maybe think it's a bit early, it's all right, you'll get used to it, you'll you'll ease in, um, and we'll get through it together. But Christmas is about stories, quite significantly, and we do this quite a lot in the build-up to Christmas. We have Christmas films, Christmas movies, The Grinch is obviously one of them, we're going to do a few different Christmas movies over the course of this month. But Christmas is about stories, and we, even to the extent we, we tell the Christmas story time and time again, and many of you will be really familiar with that story, and we're going to tell it over the next kind of month, and particularly at the night of the movies, we're going to focus in on that story. But there are lots of different stories that we relate to at Christmas, TV and um, Companies use TV adverts to tell us stories at Christmas, whether it's about a lonely bear and a hare or whether it's about a little boy who steals oranges and doesn't steal oranges. And I, I don't understand the, uh, the Sainsbury's Christmas advert. You can, you can probably tell. But we have stories at Christmas because we relate to stories. In a way, stories tell us something about who we are and they tell us about the world all around us. They tell us about how the world works and they tell us something a little bit about the human condition. And that is what the Grinch, technically the Grinch who stole Christmas, tells us. And I'm not going to tell the entirety of the story of the Grinch who stole Christmas, but I'm also not going to assume that you have some predisposed knowledge towards this subject. So I am going to tell the story a little bit. But in doing so, we're also going to dive into what the issues in that story are, And, I know, and what the Bible says about those issues, what God thinks about those issues, and how that can tell us something about who we are and how we exist, which I realize is a bit of a tall order, but we'll get through it together. So, I am making no assumptions this morning, 
So if you're not familiar, this is how the story starts. Every Who, down in Whoville, liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be, perhaps, that his head wasn't screwed on quite right. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think the most likely reason of all might be that his heart was two sizes too small. Enter our hero, unlikely though it may seem, both hero and villain, and definitely green. The Grinch has a problem. Something is wrong. He's not even sure what it is. It's been like that for so long. He's been desperately unhappy for such a long time. But to explain a bit more, I'll stop talking in rhyme because it's really going to annoy everybody. <laughs> I did say to Ben, I was very tempted to try and do this all in rhyme. And I started writing it out. And after about five minutes, I was annoying myself. And as a general rule, if I'm annoying myself, I'm going to be annoying a lot of other people way before I get to that point. So if I annoyed you there, I apologize. But this is the essence of the story. The Grinch has a problem. He doesn't like how his life has turned out. He doesn't like the situation that he's found himself in. And he looks around at all the other people living down in Whoville and thinks, why is their life so much better than mine? Why is Christmas such a big deal for them? Why do they enjoy it so much? Why do they enjoy life in general so much? Why is my life not the way I thought it was meant to be? But he doesn't realize that that is his problem because he's completely oblivious to the root cause of his issue. He has a problem, but he's completely oblivious to it. And so... What we see are the symptoms of his problem. In essence, the Grinch has a heart condition. Now, I've called this the Grinch getting to the heart of the matter. But essentially, the Grinch has a heart condition. It's not a physical heart condition. It's an emotional and a spiritual heart condition. But he is completely oblivious to the fact that that is his problem. What we see are the symptoms and this morning, we're going to talk about the state of our hearts. We're going to talk about the state of the Grinch's heart a little bit, but we're going to talk about the state of our hearts. And we know from the Bible that our hearts are really, really important to God. Okay? Proverbs 4, verse 23 says this, Above all else, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. In other words, what you do is not the point. What you say is not the point. Your heart is the point because everything that you do and say flows from your heart. Luke 2, we are going to touch on the Christmas story. Luke 2, 16 to 19. We know the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem. Jesus is born in a stable because there's no room at the inn. And the shepherds come in from the fields because they have an angel sent to them by God to tell them that the saviour of the world has been born in a stable, so they go and visit him. And this is where we pick it up. The shepherds have been to see Jesus. And they, the shepherds, hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Even in the Christmas story, the heart is key. And we're getting to the heart of the matter. Jesus himself says in both Matthew 6.21 and Luke 12.34, we're only going to put Matthew 6 up on there because the wording is exactly the same, but it's twice in the Gospels, which essentially says that two writers felt it was worthy enough and important enough to put into the Bible. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are you treasuring up in your heart? And what does it say about the state or the condition of that heart? Because the Grinch has a heart condition. Not a physical one, an emotional one, a spiritual one. He's completely oblivious to it. So what we see are symptoms. Because whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's. For tomorrow he knew all the Who girls and boys would wake bright and early, they'd rush for their toys, and then, oh, the noise, oh, the noise, 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 noise. That's one thing he hated, the noise, 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 noise. For 53 years I've put up with it now. I must stop this Christmas from coming. But how? Did you know the Grinch is in the Bible? Luke 15, they don't call him the Grinch. I mean, this is, you know... Different text. Luke 15, 20 to 30. I haven't seen a translation where he's labeled as the Grinch, but we'll get there. Luke 15 tells the story of the prodigal son. Now, the prodigal son is a very, very well-known story that we know. And essentially, father has two sons. Youngest son says to his father, I want my inheritance, which is what you would give me when you die, now, so that I can enjoy my life and live it to the absolute full. And goes off and squanders his inheritance and all sorts of different things and runs out of money and ends up in an absolute pit working and feeding pigs, but starving. And gets to the point where he turns back to the father and says, do you know what, I'm just going to go and become a slave in my father's house because I'd be better off there than where I am here and now. Life hadn't turned out the way that he thought it would. But he's not the Grinch. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And they'd feast and they'd feast and they'd feast, 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 feast. Which was something the Grinch couldn't stand in the least. Because meanwhile, the older brother, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. 
For 53 years I've put up with this now. I must stop this Christmas from coming. But how? See, the older brother, or the older son, has a heart condition. But he's completely oblivious to it. The Grinch has a heart condition, but he's completely oblivious to it. So here's the question. What is your heart condition? What is my heart condition? And I say my because this morning I'm preaching to myself as much as to any of you because actually we all have a heart condition, which is that we all have a condition in which our heart is. Some of it is really, really healthy. Some of it may not be. The question is, do you know about it? Or are you completely oblivious to the condition of your heart? And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is in essence talk about a few different heart conditions that we can have, some of them good, some of them not so, that we need to be aware of. Because if we're aware of them, then we can be intentional with it and we can do something about it. And we can enjoy the fullness of everything that God has for us. Everything that Christmas came to do, everything that Jesus came to do, we can enjoy because we know the condition of our heart. So we're going to talk about a few different things. And I want to keep this in context because ultimately the Grinch and the Bible as a whole and the Christmas story are a story of hope. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of salvation. It's a story where love wins out in the end. And regardless of what your heart condition may be now, there is still hope. But there's a stage to go through first. Because we are going to get to a moment of transformation. We are going to get to a moment of realization and one of potentially transplantation. And we'll get to that in a minute. But there's a stage to go through first, which is recognizing where you're at. Do you know the condition of your heart? Because it's possible to have spiritual and emotional heart conditions. And I want to talk about a few of them. So the first one that we're just going to talk about is a bitter heart. Psalm 75, 21 to 22 says this, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. And I love this phrase. I was a brute beast before you. I'm not sure quite why I love that phrase. I just the, the way that it's written is fascinating. Um, but because we are oblivious to the condition, we need to be aware of the symptoms. So do you ever find yourself saying things that you don't really mean? Or do you find yourself saying things that you do mean but you know you shouldn't? Or do you find yourself thinking things that you do mean, but you know you shouldn't say, so you don't actually say them, but you still think them? Which doesn't remove them from being there. Because I know I do, sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. You just catch yourself thinking something that you know you shouldn't. And often the root cause of that can be bitterness. And bitterness is something that is really, really complicated. And we could spend ages talking about bitterness as a concept. Um, but actually, I don't want to oversimplify it. But bitterness, a lot of the time, has its root cause in pain. 
It's got its root cause in an, in an injury that's occurred maybe a long time ago that actually has left you feeling bitter. Sometimes you don't even have an object for that. You're just bitter at the world in general. And that can be difficult because actually what you're seeing are the symptoms. You see the difficulty it causes in your relationships. You see the things that you say to other people that you wish afterwards you really hadn't. And you see the hurt that it causes on other people. But because you're unaware of the condition, you can't treat it. There's a physical heart condition called uh, cardiac tamponade. Now, cardiac tamponade is, in essence, a very small injury to a blood vessel in the area surrounding the heart. You've got an area surrounding your heart called your pericardial sac. And if you have a little bit of an injury to one of the blood vessels within that, it causes bleeding in that area. But it's an enclosed space, so it starts to fill up. And as it starts to fill up, it increases the pressure on your heart. And this is one of the reversible causes of cardiac arrest. It's something that if somebody goes into cardiac arrest, you can treat and reverse that condition. And in essence, they would go back to the way that they were before. But unless it's treated, you've got a small amount of blood just dropping into this area in closed space and essentially squeezing on the heart. It doesn't have to be much, 75 to 100 mil. Very, very small amount. The initial injury doesn't have to be very big, but it can have a catastrophic effect on your heart. Because what it does is it increases the pressure to the point that your heart can't move. And your heart has to be able to move. It has to move to be able to squeeze and push the blood around your body. But if you can't move your heart, then you can't circulate everything that is needed around the rest of the body. And so that ultimately can result in somebody's death. I love physical images and pictures that tell us something about the spiritual dynamic of what is going on. You can have a very, very small injury that is allowed to take root in your heart that can effectively paralyze your heart. doesn't have to be much, but is only a little bit. But that has a significant impact in your ability to love, on your ability to demonstrate God's love to other people. And you may be completely unaware of it. All you know are the symptoms, which is pain. But the problem is very, very small. But if solved, can change everything. Because emotionally, we're not that different. It is possible to take offense at a very small thing and just allow that to fester and fester and fester. If you watch the, the, the movie The Grinch, that's essentially what he's done. He's taken offense as a child, and that has caused something within him to harden and grow and increase and spiral on him. Hebrews 12.15 says this, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness always hurts other people. Always. It always defiles many. And it needs sorting and solving. The Grinch sought to hurt other people. So he slithered and slunk with a smile most unpleasant around the whole town and he stole every present because of the bitterness that was there. 
that he was trying to express. But it's the bitterness that needs solving. So what's the answer? See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Answer to bitterness, grace. Grace is being given what you do not deserve. Grace is receiving from Jesus. Grace is receiving from the Father, regardless of the fact that you've hurt other people, regardless of the fact that you've had this injury, regardless of what has been done to you or what you've done to others. Grace is God saying you are worth sacrificing everything to buy. That is the answer. Not falling short of the grace of God. So this morning, if bitterness is resonating with you, God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is there for you. There is a solution. You can't change what has been done, but you can call on the grace of God. So there's grace and there's forgiveness. Sometimes it's forgiving yourself, sometimes it's forgiving other people, but forgiveness is a journey that starts with a step. Bitterness can be a small injury. Forgiveness can solve that issue again and again and again and again. Forgiveness and grace can solve a bitter heart. Second spiritual heart condition is a hard heart. Okay, Hard heart. Psalm 17 verse 10. They close up their callous hearts and their mouths speak with arrogance. It's possible to have a hard heart. Do you know when we talk about a heart attack? A heart attack is, in essence, cutting off the oxygen flow to the heart tissue itself. It's cutting off the supply to the heart itself. And what happens then is you get pain as a result because, in essence, the, the tissue doesn't have enough oxygen to be able to survive, so it starts to die. Now, you can reverse that, and in hospital they do reverse that, and they restore the blood flow back to that area. But after that's happened, depending on how long the oxygen supply has been cut off, you get scarring within the tissue because it's dead. And if you, look at the, if you were to do an autopsy and look at a heart that has actually had a heart attack within it, there would be some areas which are scarred and hard. Because scarred tissue feels hard and gristly when you actually press on it. And it happens depending on how long you've been cut off from the supply of life. And again, physical imagery that teaches us something spiritually. It is possible to become cut off from the source of life, from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible is interesting on this because it, it does make it abundantly clear that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is demonstrated through Christ Jesus. And it goes to a big, long list of all the different things that cannot separate you from the love of God. But we know that it is possible to choose to receive from God or to choose to go our own way. And we do that on a day-to-day -day basis. We do that on a week-by-week, month-by-month. You will have had periods of your life where you've almost not really invested in your relationship with God, not spent the time with God, not, not invited the Holy Spirit into your life, not had that moment of receiving and felt like you've been doing it all on your own. That is cutting off the life supply to you. And it can be restored, absolutely. You can restore that in a moment because you can turn back to the Father, you can turn back to the Holy Spirit, you can invite him back in again and he will come every single time because grace is sufficient for you and God doesn't hold grudges. God comes back to you whenever you ask. 
But if we're not careful, that period of time of not spending time with God can leave us a bit hard, can leave us a bit scarred, can leave us a bit in need of some healing. And that is what is needed here. Is what you do if it happens. Step one is re-establish the supply. So invite the Holy Spirit to come back. Invite God to come back into your life. Invite Jesus back into your life. Step two is ask for him to heal your heart. Because that will make a huge difference to your heart condition and the way that you live out your life. Don't just carry on as if nothing happened. Take a moment, repent, and ask God to come back into your life. So there's a bitter heart, there's a hard heart, there's an absent heart. It is going to get positive in a minute, I promise. Okay? An absent heart. Do you know it's possible to lose your heart? And I don't mean kind of physically and kind of leave it in a bottom drawer in the back of your trousers. Um, That would just get very, very messy and awkward to keep track of. Um, But it's possible to lose heart in difficulty, in hardship. When life is is difficult, it's possible to lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4.16 verse 18 says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. If we do not lose heart, it is possible to lose heart. Okay? So, and actually, if you look at the Bible and how many times it says, do not lose heart, it's quite an interesting read. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary... But what is unseen is eternal. Unseen. What are you not seeing? What has not been diagnosed? But it still needs addressing. And the key thing here is remembering. Outwardly, it may look like it's all going wrong. Inwardly, you can be renewed day by day. For our troubles are light and momentary. But they are also achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The issue is undiagnosed and it's unseen, but there is still hope. We looked at Psalm 75 earlier on, Psalm 75, 21 to 26. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Next verse. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It doesn't matter what heart condition you have. God is the strength of your heart. And he is able to do above and exceedingly beyond what you could ever think or imagine. So choose to focus on him this morning. We looked at the Grinch earlier on. In the Bible. I realize I'm changing the terminology slightly. But Luke 15, we have the story of the prodigal son. And the older brother comes to the father and says, you've never even given me so much as a lamb to enjoy with my friends. The next verse, Luke 15, 31 to 32. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. That is the truth to take into your heart. 
But God doesn't stop there. Jesus doesn't stop there because it's not just about us. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. Having a Grinch mentality or having a heart condition often prevents us from celebrating with other people when they are going through periods of joy. God wants to solve both of those issues. Not just deal with your heart, but also allow you to celebrate and rejoice when other people are blessed, when other people are enjoying life. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the moment his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light. He brought everything back, all the food for the feast, and he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. What's the answer? He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. What is Christmas? Christmas is the culmination of hundreds and hundreds of promises of God throughout the Old Testament telling of his restoring and saving and redeeming mankind. You can't stop Christmas from coming. It came. Regardless of circumstance or heart condition, regardless of what else was going on in the world, somehow or other, it came just the same. And that is what we're celebrating this Christmas. The coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Savior, the coming of the Son of God to us to restore and redeem. And these are the promises of God. Right, Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart. Doesn't matter what your heart condition is. Doesn't matter. Bitter, hard, absent, doesn't matter. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, hard, immovable, unloving, bitter, and I will give you a heart of flesh, one that is able to move, one that is able to beat, one that is able to give you everything that you need, but also express to everybody else my love for them. I will give you a new heart. These are heart conditions that you have and that you have access to if you're not experiencing them at the moment. First one is a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, we looked at. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says this, I will give them an undivided heart. In other words, you won't be torn this way and that. If you focus with me and if you live your life with me, you won't be torn and moving with the wind this way, blown backwards and forwards with the circumstances and difficulties and all of the storms that go along within life. You will be undivided, focused on me. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. It said twice. If it said twice, it means you didn't pay attention to it the first time, so pay attention this time. 
I will give them a new heart. There is always hope. You don't have to live this way from now on. It doesn't matter how long you have been living with a hard heart. It doesn't matter how long you've been living in woundedness and unforgiveness and bitterness. For 53 years, you've put up with it now. Can we stop now, please? Because God wants to do something new in you. You don't have to hold on to it anymore. You can have a new heart here today. Allow God to change it. That's a new heart. Second one, a pure heart. Psalm 51.10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. In other words, help me to focus on the things that I should be focusing on. Help me to look at the things of you. Help me to see the positive, see the good, see the benefits. Stop focusing on the negative, but to have a pureness of heart because it is based in what you have done, God not on what I've done. It removes the past. Matthew 5.8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart. This is Jesus speaking. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. If you want to see something new of God this Christmas, let him give you a pure heart. It doesn't matter what you've done. God's grace is there. God's forgiveness is there. Christmas happened so that that could exist, so that Jesus would come. And Sarah put it brilliantly this morning that Christmas happened so that without Christmas, Easter would never have happened. Easter was the moment when Jesus took all of your sin and pain and suffering and shame and hung on the cross with them so that they died. And you don't have to live in them anymore. But Christmas came Jesus came into the world so that that could happen. What we have to do is choose to live with that as our heart condition. You can have a pure heart today. Next one, a searching heart. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. If you want to find God, you're looking for God in your circumstance. You're struggling to see him in day-to-day life. You don't know where he is. If you want to find him, seek him with all of your heart. And he will be found by you. God has so much to show you and so much to reveal. Choose to seek him this morning and he will reveal that to you. Next one, a trusting heart. Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. Sometimes we don't understand what's going on around us. Sometimes we don't understand why things have happened the way that they are. Trust in God with all your heart. And the verse afterwards goes on to say that he will make your paths straight. There are promises of God built into this. God is able to do far and above what you previously thought possible. And remember, this is regardless of what's happened in the past. The past is gone. Choose to trust him again. Next one is a joyful heart. Psalm 119, 111, 119, 111. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. Psalm 13, verse 5 says, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. We're talking about symptoms this morning. Let joy be the symptom that your heart demonstrates this Christmas. 
Let joy be at the root of what you do and of how you interact with other people this Christmas. Because joy is the polar opposite of bitterness. Bitterness hurts others. Joy always blesses. Bitterness focuses on me. It shrinks the world down to what's going on inside. Joy expands your world. Joy allows you to bless more people than you ever could think possible. And it enhances your life. Joy always encourages others. It blesses you and the people around you. You're gonna, most of us are going to give things to people. I'd like to think everybody in this room is going to give something to somebody at some point this Christmas. right? The Bible says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver or the Lord loves a joyful giver. Let's give with joy this Christmas. Have an openness to do, for God to do what he will with your heart. Because you do have a choice. The only thing that changed for the Grinch was his perspective. He saw the joy in other people and he changed his perspective and his heart was changed. Now that's not scripture. That's the Grinch. Scripture says that God will give you a new heart and renew a new spirit within you. That is the truth that is available for you this morning. But you have to choose it. And the trouble when we say things like that is that some of you in the back of your minds are thinking, that's too simple. I've tried that. This is a choice that needs to be made not here, but here. Which means that you need to be willing to be wrong. You need to be willing to recognize that actually I haven't got it all right up to this point. And that there is a better way to live. That means letting go of pride, but it means accepting the love of God and accepting His joy and His peace and His hope into your heart. It needs surrender. And that choice will give you a new heart and renew a right spirit within you. God wants to surprise you this Christmas with a new gift. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants to give you something different than you've had before. We've done many Christmases. Some of us have seen many more Christmases than others. But God wants to give us a new gift this Christmas. And I am talking to everybody. Nobody is exempt from this because there is always more with God. You may have a really healthy heart condition right now. God can enhance it even more. He has a new gift for you this Christmas. And we're going to have some time to pray. After this, there's going to be some guys down here who are willing to pray with you um, and would love to spend some time um, praying for you. If any of this is resonating with you, can I encourage you, make use of that. Make use of that opportunity to go and have other people stand with you and pray with you for God to renew your heart. And if you've never invited Jesus into your life, then take this opportunity to do that as well.
come down to the front, talk to them, and engage with God this morning because he wants to do something new in you. The key thing is, don't let this moment pass because tomorrow we're back to the rush of getting ready for Christmas. This moment is an opportunity to have a heart transplant. And God wants to give you a new gift this morning. So whatever your issue, your heart or your shoes, remember that Christmas wasn't made for the who's. We celebrate Christmas year after year. And tomorrow's not Christmas, but it's practically here. So this Christmas, let God give you something new. Because the gift of his son was given for you.